Good morning, Messiah. Real quick, I want to get your hearts and your minds into week three of this worship series, Advent with Isaiah. Before I read you the scripture from Isaiah chapter 7, I want to say this to you. Um, One of the things that we really proudly can say as Christians is that we have a real hope for a real life. And what, what that means is that we all, as Christians, get to be honest, truly honest about, about our fears and our anxieties and our weaknesses and our doubts. And that's what's going on in this text today. I'm going to warn you about the scripture that this gets really dark. It's really dark until the end. There's, there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety, a lot of just falling apart going on. And it's going to lead us to the hope of God among us. This is real. This is Isaiah chapter 7, starting with verse 2. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son Shear Joshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool, on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it amongst ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. (laughs) Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign. Whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is God's word. 
I'm guessing that you've never heard that full story before. You know, it's not one that fits easily into our Sunday school curriculums. It's not a story that VeggieTales is going to make a movie about anytime soon, and I get that. The story, it's not child-friendly. It's not even all that compelling on its surface, and, and I get that. I can even understand that we don't talk about it all that much, despite the fact that I think that this prophecy isn't just a prophecy about the Christ. I think that it might be the most recognizable prophecy of Christ in the Bible. But still, almost nobody knows where this prophecy came from. Because no one wants to tell this story. I mean, who wants to tell the story about a king who was such a bad man that he killed his own kids? He sacrificed them to other gods. That's King Ahaz. Who wants to tell the story about that guy? And who wants to tell the story about Assyria? You know, the superpower who ruled with terror, who, who loved to dominate people in the way this gets... PG-13, the way they love to rule is they would rip open the bellies of pregnant women. Who wants to tell the story about that superpower? The story that forces you to confront the fact that we can be that vulnerable in this world. And who wants to tell the story about a king stuck in foreign diplomacy, stuck between two really bad choices? He feels like he either has to join Assyria and let them do what they will, or, or he feels that he has to join an alliance and fight a probably losing battle. I mean, who, who gets engaged with a story where the main character can't win? And this is how that story played out. King Ahaz, he did try to join Assyria. But the two neighboring nations to Ahaz said, no, you're not. (laughs) You're going to join us, and you're going to join us the hard way. We are going to conquer you, and you personally, Ahaz, you're going to die. And who wants to talk about the fact that most of that plan had already happened? The fact that, that King Ahaz's kingdom had probably already suffered more casualties than all of the deaths in World War I combined. And now he's cornered in a downtown probably smaller than downtown Tiger. Who wants to talk about that? The fear that, that can put in you. The psychological terror that comes on when there's no way out of a situation. There's so much fear that Isaiah actually gives the fear its own simile. He says that it shook Ahaz and his people like the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Who wants to tell that story? You know, you can can just imagine Ahaz is sitting in his palace and And and, and there's questions, and and there's panic. Panics people all around him, and he's got no answers for him. He's trapped, and he says that he needs to go and be alone. And and so he goes off by himself to do an errand. (laughs) And it's an errand that, that it certainly doesn't require a king to accomplish. What he did is he went out to check the water supply before the siege. So Ahaz is there by the aqueduct, by the launderer's field, thinking about all this. Who wants to tell that story? 
about a guy with so much fear who just wouldn't be moved from his fear, even, even though God pulled out every stop for him. Did you notice that God had Isaiah bring his own son? <laughs> because sometimes if there's anything that can break you out of your funk, sometimes it's a little baby. And you might have noticed that this baby had an interesting name. The baby, his name, it's no accident, his name was Sheer Joshub. And that name has a meaning, it's significant. It means that a remnant will return. God is saying to Ahaz in no uncertain terms, trust me, Ahaz. I've got a plan, your people will return, but nothing worked. Not that, not God telling him through Isaiah that the thing that he fears isn't going to happen. Ahaz wasn't even moved when God engaged in some divine trash talking. <laughs> he said, these two enemies coming against you are just smoldering stumps. He says, they can't touch you, Ahaz. They'll try, but they can't. You know, God, he marginalizes the power of their opponents. He predicts their downfall. He says, it will not happen. It will not take place. It's only Remaliah's son, which is God's way of saying, these guys are nothings. But still nothing works to calm Ahaz down. Nothing works to calm his fears. And who wants to tell that story? The story about how a man stayed scared even when the Lord took his best shot. You know what it was? There's this line that Isaiah records. Isaiah, Isaiah again spoke to King Ahaz. And I want to point this out. There's so much grace here. That the Lord wanted a child-killing person who had never trusted God once in his life. God came to him again. He wanted his heart. And he gives him everything. Isaiah says to him, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. It's like a true genie in a bottle moment. Like a, the moment that you have probably longed for yourself. It's God saying, Ask for anything. Ask for anything so that you can see. I'm a trustworthy God. Ask for anything. Ask me if you can ride a T-Rex Ahaz and I'll let you. <laughs> Ask me and I'll paint your name in the clouds if you want. I'll give you into a peek into heaven, whatever it is, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights, because I want you, Ahaz, to see that God wants your heart so badly. But Ahaz still refuses to ask for a sign. He didn't want God's sign. He didn't want to believe. And who wants to tell that story? I do. You know why? Because it's real. Look, you don't have to have an army banging down your downtown to feel fear in your heart. All you have to do is hear a saber rattling in the Ukraine. And you don't have to be looking at your water supply in order to have questions about whether you're going to be okay. All you have to do is hear some rumors about politics in Washington, D.C. And you don't need to be confronted with a siege of your city. 
all you need to feel nerves is wonder what you're going to do to pay your next bill. And you don't have to be confronted with an enemy who, who, who prides themselves on pillaging and, and taking everything. All you have to do is live in a country where there are enough shootings all the time that you can understand that there are scary people everywhere. You get this. What if I move to a new city? Will I be okay? What if this relationship that I'm investing into doesn't work out? Are, are my kids going to be okay? Will this surgery work? That's what's here. That kind of fear. Because you've heard it said, you, you know this to be true, that God has a plan. But even though you know it, you can't see it. And there's this theoretical plan that God is doing his things, but sometimes it seems so far off and above the clouds. That's what's here. That's what happens in our lives when God seems far off and his plans seem hypothetical. You know what happens for us? Our hearts stay scared. That's why I want to tell you this story. Because it's right here in this moment that God breaks in. You see that here, right? Even in a king who refused to ask for a sign, God still poured out his grace on him. You know where you can see that? You can see it in the fact that even after Ahaz refused to ask for a sign, the Lord gave him one anyway. And it might seem strange for me to say, but I'm glad Ahaz never asked. Because I think we got a better sign. Not some kind of sky writing or something like that. We got the ultimate sign. The sign from God that went to the lowest of the low and the highest of the heights. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Because when God in your life feels so far away, you need him right here with you. And when the plans in your life go south, when you're sick, when your job seems like there are only questions, when God only seems theoretical, you need something that is not theory. Something you can touch. Something that is here. A God like that. A God right here. That you can even hold in your heart. That's what's here. God with us. As one of us. A God who refused to be theoretical. A God who came right down here to be with you in your life, in your fear. And, and look, I can't be Isaiah for you. I can't do it. I can't take out my crystal ball and, and tell you what's going to happen in your life. But I can show you God's ultimate sign that what he, everything what, that he says about you will be true. His ultimate sign is Jesus. Because he's the true Emmanuel. 
God with us. Baby Emmanuel, Mary's son, who went to the deepest depths to forgive your doubting heart. The virgin's baby who went to the highest heights to reign over everything. Jesus is God's ultimate sign that he is here with you, baby Jesus. You know, I keep calling him a baby um, probably because I, uh, my mind's on little babies lately, but because also the prophecy calls him a baby. Isaiah prophesied about a baby, and, and when the baby is God, it means something. And I'm not going to give you the answer. I'm going to let you think about what that means for your life. When the baby is God, what does that do? Maybe I'll just say this. I'll give you this encouragement. This Christmas, trust in the promises of God. He has given you the perfect sign, the ultimate sign. God's son, Jesus. Emmanuel. (laughs) He's God with you in all of your moments. He's God with you who has died on the cross to take away every sin. This Christmas, get quiet. Get quiet and see that it's your God with you in the manger. Amen.